answers prayer, right? I said, Lord, let me make it. Let me make it. And I think as God did. If you have your Bible this morning, open to 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19, we look at 1 to 3, 17 to 19, 35 to 37, and verse 35 will be my springboard verse. 2 Kings 19, verse 35. You've heard the old expression, go big or go home? Today's message is entitled, pray big or go home. And that's what we need to do. Look in verse 35. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. God answered a prayer request that Hezekiah prayed, and he will answer our request too. That's good news. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll let us realize your omniscience, that you are everywhere, you're always with us, you hear us when we pray. Therefore, since you do, help us to pray more. Thank you, God, for your goodness and for the way that you work in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. When you face a problem, you should pray. When you face a big problem, you should pray big, lest you go home. And that's the lesson we learned this past week. This past week, four of us from Scott Lake bought airline tickets to go to Columbia. Bob Wilkinson, Bill Hobson, myself, Alex White, our translator, who traveled before we left and stayed after we returned. And while we were there, we had four goals to accomplish. Number one, to select a contractor to build a new church building in the city of Fakatativa for our church that is there. They've outgrown the one they had. They have multiple services. It's just way too small. Number two, to present certificates to nine pastors who completed their theological training through Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary Hispanic Institute. Number three, to reconcile and restore one of our pastors there having problems with alcohol. It is so prevalent there. Beer is cheaper than water in Columbia, and this brother was having problems. He had to leave and quit the ministry for a while, but we wanted to know that we want him to come back and make him accountable, but also leave alcohol. Number four, to transport 20 pounds of gospel tracts to our cluster leader, Michael Brungart. Getting into Columbia requires three documents. You've got to have a passport. You've got to have a vaccination card or a negative COVID test result. And then you have to have the completion of an online visa form called a check migration form or, as it's contracted, a check MIG form. The check MIG requires a valid email to which to send your confirmation. And all of us had completed the check MIG form. Brother Bill Hobson's email address was not correct. He told me I could share this. So we got to the gate, and we showed them the screenshot of the check MIG form. They told us, no, his will not work. He can't get on the plane. And so we debated, and we argued, and we pled. At least I did. <laughs> but to no avail. Any other flights, I asked. The lady said, well, there's a flight tomorrow, but there's only one seat open. Well, that's not going to do us any good. And so I used my best persuasive skill Ma'am, is there no way, you don't understand, is there no way, and she just shut me off like that. She said, you see those customs agents there in the doorway with the sidearm and the big German shepherd? I said, yes, I do. 
She said, they are not going to let you on this plane. Debate over. I told Bob, I said, Bob, they're not going to let us on the flight. We can't go. But wait a minute, what about selecting a contractor for the new church badly needed in the city of a million people? What about presenting these certificates to these nine pastors who, who performed all they had to do to get them? What about the reconciling and the restoring of a fellow pastor who left the ministry because of a personal struggle with alcohol? What about transporting those 20 pounds of gospel tracts to our IMB cluster leader badly in need of them? We believed the goals were important, and we believed it was something we needed to do right then. Did God have other plans? I didn't know. Well, I looked over at Bob and Bill, and I saw this kind, caring, helpful man trying to help Bill retrieve his check MIG form on his phone, but to no avail. It was clear Bill wasn't getting on the plane. If he couldn't go, I didn't want to go, and I did not want to leave him there without a ride home. Well, boarding was now underway. Zone one. Bob was in zone one. My luggage was already in the plane loaded. The certificates were in the luggage. Tracks were in the luggage. I handed Bob my luggage claim check. I described my suitcase. Once a pretty little bow, red bow. Jamie put the bow on, so we'll know that's ours. I don't know why, but a man needs to let others know. She put the bow on for me. Anyway. <laughs> By the way, you're glad it's there when you're looking at a thousand suitcases. Oh, there's the red bow. Anyway, I handed Bob my luggage claim check. I described what my suitcase looked like. I said, Bob, you go ahead. You present the certificates to the pastors. You give the IMB guy the tracks. And I guess I just won't have a chance to talk to that pastor. After all the zones had boarded, I stood in the middle of the concourse aisle. Everybody was on the plane. Scores of people walking by. Gate 31. There we were. No, 43. I think it's 43. Standing there in the middle, I'm standing there in the middle, and I just said, Lord, it's time to pray big or go home. Lord, we need your help right now. If you want us to go, we need a miracle right now. Yeah, Southern Baptist preacher, I asked for a miracle. I did. Lord, help me now. Help us now. I looked back over at the seats, and I saw the kind, caring, helpful man still trying to help Bill with his phone. And finally, he and Bill walked back over to the gate. The man showed the ticket agent his badge, and she motioned for Bill and me to get on the plane. She said, go ahead, get on. You can sort it out in Bogota. And sure enough, as the door of the plane was about to close, Bill and I were the two last passengers to get on board. And Bob was shocked to see the two of us coming down the aisle, thinking, no way we got on the flight. I walked by, so I need my luggage clean checked back. He said, sure, handed it to me, and I said, by the way, Bob, did you ever see the movie The Terminal with Tom Hanks? He said, yes, I did. I said, "Uh, we need to pray we don't get stuck in the terminal in Bogota, which is worse than having to go home from Orlando. All the way to Bogota, we prayed, God, help us into the country, help us into the country, help us into the country. We were standing in line for migration. Colombian immigration workers asked to see our documents as we're standing in line. They kind of do a little pre-screen, probably 300 people waiting to get into the country. And so they have two or three immigration reps that go through and ask to see your documents. And Bob and I showed ours, and Bill showed his, the form he had, and they said, absolutely not. You don't have what you need. You can't get into the country. Well, once again, I debated, I reasoned, I pled. Uh, no. And then it hit me, man, we should have stayed in Orlando. But once again, I said, no, Lord, if you want us to go, we need your help right now. 
We, we need you help to help us, Lord. Please, please, if it's your will for us to go do these four goals, we need you to help us. And lo and behold, who's about four or five rows over, not close to us, but several rows away, is the kind, caring, helpful man who helped us on the plane in Orlando. He walked, cut through the line, walked back to where we were. He talked to the immigration officials, spoke to them in Spanish, and showed them his badge. And then he took Bill, and they cut lines, plural. They went through all the lines up to the front. Gruff ticket agent there at the, at the uh, little booth. I thought, this guy is not going to let them in. This guy is not going to let them in. He looks like he's had a bad day. He shows him his badge. They walked through, right through. Couldn't believe it. And as a result, Bob and I entered the country. We accomplished all of our four goals and then some. And that raises two good questions. Number one, does God hear us when we pray? Yes, he does. Number two, who was that kind, caring, helpful man? Huh. I don't know why God answers some requests and some he doesn't. Paul prayed three times God would take the thorn in the flesh away. God never did. Paul prayed God raised Eutychus from the dead, and he did. You see, it all has to do with the will of God here. Hezekiah found himself in a position where he faced his own death from an enemy army, but God answered his request when he prayed, and that encourages you and me to pray that God might indeed answer us when we have needs as well. First of all, notice Hezekiah's big problem. Hezekiah's big problem. When Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. By the way, let me push pause and say something I haven't said in the other two sermons. When you're having a tough time, go to church. That just kind of hit me. Don't stay away from church when you're having a tough time. Hezekiah went to church when he had a tough time. Okay, push play. Then he said, Eliakim, who was over the household with Shebna the scribe and the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is the day of distress, rebuke, and rejection, for children have come to birth and there's no strength to deliver. We have no strength to deliver ourselves. We're in big trouble. And that was the bottom line. In the 8th century B.C., Assyria was the rising superpower of the day. They had defeated the Jews of the northern ten tribes and defeated fortified, 46 fortified cities in Judah. All the people were exiled back to the land of the pagan gods. Judah's king Hezekiah sent a letter to Assyria's king Sennacherib promising to pay whatever he demanded if they just would not attack Jerusalem. Sennacherib says, okay, I want, oh, I don't know, 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. Hezekiah said, I'll pay it. He robbed the temple treasury, stripped the gold off the doors and the frames of the temple, but he paid up. Sennacherib said, oh, I don't think I'm satisfied yet. I want you to surrender. I want your people as captives to prove my God's more powerful than your God. Assyria's general Rabshakeh called out in Hebrew to the watchman on the wall, don't trust in your God, he cannot save you. The gods of the other nations we've overrun and conquered, they couldn't save them. Surrender or die. And Hezekiah meant, I'm going to be tortured before I die. That's the way they treated the kings. Hezekiah tore his robe, covered himself with sackcloth. Sackcloth was a rough, dark, colored garment made of goat hair. Very uncomfortable, very hot, very itchy. And you wore it next to 
the skin to remind you, why am I so uncomfortable? Oh, yeah, I'm mourning. Someone has died or something bad's happened. So they put on this hot, itchy stuff to remind them, oh, yeah, things are bad. And so Hezekiah put it on. The treasure, the scribe, the priest, they all put it on, and they awaited the end of their lives. Verse 4, maybe God will intervene and save us, and maybe he would not. That was the big problem. I shared last week, Sennacherib was a brutal, brutal, vicious king. He bragged on his palace wall. They've actually found the walls and the uh, annals of Sennacherib. How he tortured and killed his prisoners, blinding them, placing hooks in their jaws and through their nose to drag them back to Assyria. I mean, there was some bad stuff coming down the pike for Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem. It was not going to be good. They had a big problem. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers surrounding your city, ready to torture and kill you? Uh, yeah, that's a big problem. Can we be honest? Big problems are part of life, aren't they? Loved ones die, finances get tight, relationships dissolve, sickness strikes. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Not you might, but you will. Little problems, medium-sized problems, and yes, big problems. Sometimes God uses big problems to accomplish a big purpose in our lives. God's command to Abraham, offer your only son Isaac. That's a big problem. But through that, we hear the words, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers, unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife, big problems. From it, God spared Jacob's family, preserving a promise made to Abraham. Naomi and Ruth struggled to understand why God would take their, hu their husbands. And yet from that, they were compelled to go to Bethlehem, where Ruth met and married a man named Boaz, had a great-grandson named David. There you go. Give yourself an A+, okay? The other crowd didn't get that, so anyway, you got it. What about Esther, who happened to be in a position to hear a decree to exterminate all the Jews and then persuade the king to let them defend themselves, and he did, and they won. From our Lord's crucifixion came the resurrection. From the apostle Paul stoning in Lystra came the compelling argument that, yeah, he really believes what he's preaching. See, sometimes God takes big problems and brings glory to himself from them. Had Chuck Colson not been caught and convicted in the Watergate scandal, that's a big problem. He never would have become a Christian. And had he never become a Christian, he never would have founded Prison Fellowship Ministries. And had he never founded Prison Fellowship Ministries, he would not have won a, a young African man to Christ named Apienda Arthur, who was in prison because of a high position he had from a topple third world government, who over the last 40 years has won thousands and thousands and thousands. Apienda Arthur has won thousands of people to Christ in Europe, Asia, the Caribbean, North America, 40 and 40 African countries. His platform and ministry and evangelism all are the direct result of a big problem Chuck Colson had and brought on himself. I love the big problem of Cliff Barras and his wife in 1945. Cliff Barras and his wife Billy were on their honeymoon, but they didn't have but so much money and it wasn't a whole lot, enough for a taxi to get where they're going, a little bit of food. When they got to the hotel they'd booked, they found out it had closed and was now a rehab center. They had no money. So they hitchhiked, how's that on your honeymoon, hitchhiking, stayed in a room over a grocery store. That sounds like the Ritz-Carlton, doesn't it? Imagine spending your honeymoon in a spare room over a grocery store, and yet the store owner was a Christian who invited them to a youth rally, and they went, there they met a young man named Billy Graham, 
who happened to be without a song leader that night. Cliff Barris jumped up, stepped in. The two worked together for the next five decades, all because of a lack of money, and there wasn't a place there in the store, or there wasn't a place for the rehab. It had closed. The hotel closed. God worked it out. God worked it out. I keep hearing the voice of the Spirit Airlines ticket lady saying, well, you'll just have to sort it all out when you get to Bogota. And I'm thinking, no, I want to sort it out now. I don't want to be stuck in Bogota. Surrounded by 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, man, that was more than a problem. That was a big problem. But that brings us to the big prayer, the big prayer. 17, 17 to 19. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods in the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. They didn't really exist, so they have destroyed them. Here comes the big ask. Here it is. And now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou alone, O Lord, art God. Wearing his goat hair jacket. Ugh. Hezekiah took the scribe's words of Rabshakeh's threat to the temple. He spread the scroll out on the table, and he offered a three-part prayer. Number one, Lord, I praise you for your greatness. You are enthroned between the cherubim, the creator of heaven and earth. Number two, he explained the problem to the Lord as if the Lord didn't already know. We still need to tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus alone, right? The kings of Assyria destroyed all the other nations, all the other lands, all the other gods. And now they were parked outside their wall. And third, here came the big request. Lord, deliver us from your hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know. Thou alone art God. The Assyrians had overrun the nations that worshipped these non-existent gods of stone and wood. Hezekiah prayed, God, deliver us, not just so we won't die, though I really don't want to die. Deliver us so that it will bring glory to you. Wow. Oh, may I say there's a prayer request God hears. That is the key to answered prayer, that God will be glorified through that. Not just so we'll be helped and just so we'll be healed and just so we'll be blessed. No, but so that God, through this, your name will be glorified. And I believe we needed that in Columbia, not just for us, but for that congregation that badly needs a bigger building, for those pastors who needed to be recognized for their achievement and who needed fellowship together. They rarely all get together and have events like that. For the pastor who needed to be restored, for the IMB rep who needed the tracks, none of those goals had anything to do with us, nothing to do with us, but they were about others and the glory of God. And that's why I pray that God would do a miracle, and he did. They were about to close the doors of the plane, if God didn't act, we weren't getting on. God intervened. He didn't just send a man. He sent the right man with the right authority to do what we needed. He intervened on our behalf. By the way, let me ask you, what problem are you facing today? Is there a big problem in your life? Medium problem? Small problem? Maybe a really, really big problem. Why not pray and ask the Lord to help you in a way that brings glory to Him. Help you in a way that brings glory to Him. Now, I know sometimes we don't know what the Lord is doing in our lives or what He wants to do in our lives, 
But until we do, we walk by faith and not by sight. We pray, we trust the Lord, whether things go our way or not. Now notice what Hezekiah did not do in his prayer. Verse 19, he did not demand indignantly, God, you need to save us. You're obligated to save us. He asked, Lord, I pray, deliver us from thy hand. Humbly, Lord, I entreat. Humbly, I request. Humbly, please, help us. And that was my prayer as I stood there in the middle of the concourse, in the middle of the aisle in the Orlando airport. Lord, please, please help us. No indignant demanding, just a request. See, the Lord has the right to say yes or no. Had he said no, well, there would have been no kind, helpful, caring man. We would have gotten in the car and come home. But I felt we needed to be there. And I wanted to be there. And I felt the four goals compelled us to go. And God sent a caring, helpful man with authority to help us. Christian, pray because who knows? Maybe the Lord will intervene and help you too. David and Bathsheba had the affair, the adulterous affair. The child was born. Second Samuel says the Lord struck the child so the child was ill. For seven days, that's a long time, David fasted and prayed and wept before God. Fasted and prayed and wept before God seven days, begging God, please, God, spare the life of my son. Please spare the life of this little baby. When the child died, David got up from the ground, washed his, his face, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went in the house of the Lord and worshiped. Again, that's a good place to say, even if God doesn't answer your request, you ought to go to church. Just kind of came to me right there. David's servants asked him, Sir, what is this you've done? When the child was alive, you fasted and wept and prayed. When he died, you got up and cleaned up and you ate. And David said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows? Maybe the Lord will be gracious to me and let him live. Even David didn't know the outcome of his request. Even King David did not know the outcome of his request. But one thing is certain, for those seven days he asked over and over and over and over. So we pray and we ask, trusting the Lord knows and will do what is right. See, real faith, oh, this could be the most important thing I say today. Real faith is not, I know I'm going to get what I want. I know, I believe, I believe I'm going to get what I want. That's not real faith. Don't be sold that bill of goods by the faith healers and all these, these charlatans. Real faith is, Lord, I'm going to trust you to do what is right, as Paul did when he didn't get what he wanted, and the thorn in the flesh stayed. And when Jacob was sold into slavery, and Ruth and Naomi's husbands both died, and David's son died, and Paul was stoned and left for dead. We don't know how the Lord will answer. And Hezekiah didn't know how the Lord would answer. But still, when big problems come, we should offer big prayers. We ought to offer big prayers. Number three, the big provision. Here it is, the big provision. Verse 35, it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck one angel. One angel struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians, and when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. It came about as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, the god of military defeat. Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat 
And S.R. Haddon, his son, became king in his place. God heard Hezekiah's prayer. And more than just hear it, God answered. And a single night, one angel came down and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. The next morning when the people in Jerusalem woke up and looked over the wall, they saw the ground all around the city strewn with dead soldiers. 185,000. Well, let's figure. Raymond James, 60, 65,000. How many will hold? Fill that thing three times and let it circle the whole city of Jerusalem and look out over the wall and see those bodies. That many of them dead. And as old King Sennacherib realized Isaiah's words from God were true, as he was worshiping Nisroch, the eagle-headed god, who supposedly gave the Assyrian kings victory in battle. That's where you want to say, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Two of the king's servants killed him while he's worshiping that god. And his son, S.R. Haddon, became king in his place, just like 2 Kings 19.7 predicted. God spared Jerusalem for another hundred plus years because Hezekiah prayed and it brought glory to himself and God will do the same for us. He will answer our prayers in accordance with his will and plan and for his glory. One old hymn writer described it with these words, For the angel of death spread his wings of the blast and he breathed in the face of the foe as he passed, and the eyes of the sleepers waxed deadly and chill, and their hearts but once heaved and forever grew still. Whew, that's good. A big prayer resulted in a big provision, as he did for us this past week. So there we stood in the immigration line at the El Dorado Airport in Bogota, Colombia, worried. Okay, I was worried we'd be stuck in the terminal. I didn't want to be stuck in the terminal. And as we made our plea to the immigration folks in line about all the forms we'd done and we couldn't locate, we didn't have them, the Colombian official said, no way, no way, no way, not going to happen. You're not coming into this country. And suddenly from far away comes our kind, caring, helpful, compassionate man of authority appeared. And he began to talk to the immigration employee in Spanish. And then he... Showed him his badge. Woo! And lo and behold, the immigration person and our kind, caring, helpful, compassionate man and Brother Bill, they cut through all six lines and went to the very front and talked to the gruff man at the immigration desk. They showed him his badge and they walked right through. Bob and I are looking at each other like, what just happened? It's amazing how you forget answered prayer sometimes. Wait a minute, didn't you just pray? Well, I did, but I forgot all about that. Pardon my amazement, right? A few minutes later, Bob and I produced our passport, our documents, and we entered. And there along the wall, if you go into the Bogota airport, you know there's a wall right through. There was standing Brother Bill, big smile on his face, and the kind, caring, helpful, compassionate man. They were both smiling. Come to find out. This man worked for the U.S. Embassy. Half the time he's in Bogota, half the time he's in the U.S. I said, man, you are an angel. You don't know this. You are an answered prayer request. You are, man, mm, we prayed and God heard our request. What is your name? Samuel. 
I said, asked of God. He said, yes, that's right. My parents are Christian missionaries in the Dominican Republic, and they named me Samuel. God hears. Uh, and we selected a contractor. Contract was signed, new church building. We presented certificates to the nine pastors. We tried to get a hold of the one brother. We couldn't get him. Pastors called him. Then another pastor from the city of Guadalajara came, had his number. I said, I want to talk to him when you get it. God, I need the gift of tongues here. Let me talk to this fella. So I talked. He understood. I said, we need you here, so-and-so. This is Pastor Darren. We're meeting. I need you here. He came. He came. We sat around a big circle. I talked to him point blank about the woes of alcohol. He promised he would not drink anymore. He would make himself accountable to these other pastors. He'd kind of been hiding. But now he was going to make himself accountable to these other guys. We delivered the tracks to our IMB guy. We saw a lady profess Christ at the Zapatoka store. They said she was a drug addict. We talked to her. I talked as much as I could. And then Vladimir finished talking, and our chauffeur was standing there listening to the gospel. We'd witnessed to him as we drove, and he heard the gospel, the plan of salvation, explained by Vladimir in, in the city of Bogota. We witnessed to a gang member with a Satan ring. He said, is this a church? And he said, yeah, well, this is a church. He let us know he was a worshiper of Satan. I said, Let's, we told him the gospel. Here's how you get to heaven from Fakatativa, okay? He heard it. He didn't receive Christ, but he heard the gospel. But you know, through all the good things that happened, the best of all is this. Bill, Bob, Alex, and I are now, we are more persuaded in the power of prayer than we ever have been before. Here's something else I know I thought of. You know, none of us have the documents we need to get into heaven on our own. We don't. We don't have what's required. Thankfully, here's what we do have. A kind, caring, compassionate, helpful Savior who died on the cross so that we have a ticket to enter. Jesus said, as many as received him, to those he gave the right, the authority to become children of God. Jesus paid the price so we can enter heaven. He has the authority to get us into heaven. If we'll call on him and ask him, he will hear. As the name Samuel says, God hears. You know, a person's greatest need is not to get into Columbia. The greatest prayer we can pray is, Lord, save me for my sins so I can enter heaven. Good news, friend, if you'll pray that right now, this moment, if you never have, he will save you now. Let's pray. If you're listening this morning and you've never called on Jesus to save you, you can do that. Understand that we can't get in on our own. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We don't have the required documents. We don't have the righteousness to get to heaven. But there is one who is kind and caring, compassionate, helpful, who gave his life's blood on an old rugged cross. He paid the price so we could go to heaven. He'll take us up to the gate and usher us right in. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sins separate me from You. I don't have what is needed to get to heaven. I can't get there on my own. 
Please help me. Please save me. I trust in your finished work on Calvary's cross is all I need to be admitted to heaven. Help me to live for you. Please save me now. If you'll pray that, God will hear. Will there one, be one today that said, Pastor, I, I just prayed that today. I've never asked Jesus to save me. But I prayed it today and I meant it in a way that I never have. Would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, I prayed that. Would you pray for me? Father, we pray that you'll touch every heart today. God, we know that you do hear when we pray and you answer. Lord, for those that might have other commitments, salvation, membership, Scott Lake, whatever it might be, as we have this invitation, we pray you'll speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 134, Jesus paid it all, is our invitational hymn. I'll stand here at the front this morning. If I can pray with you, help you, something God is tugging at your heart to do, why not come right now? Do what the Lord wants you to do. If this was your last Sunday you'd ever be alive, I hope it's not. If it were, what is it you need to do? Let's stand and sing. I'll wait for you. Come on. sing one more verse. Think about the words you're singing. If I can pray with you, let me know. Last verse.
All right, if you would be seated, please. Uh, Jeff, let's go ahead and present you this morning before we have a special recognition in just a moment. Jeff Johnson is coming today. He prayed to receive Christ. And what was the name of that church in Texas? Versine Bible Church. Versine Bible Church in Texas. And then he was baptized by immersion after that at? Nacogdoches Missionary Baptist. Nacogdoches. There you go. See why I didn't try to memorize all that? <laughs> and uh, he's coming here to transfer his membership to Scott Lake. He has trusted in Jesus, been baptized, and so... He wants to join us. I guess that would be by statement of faith as a believer. And if you rejoice in Jeff's coming to be a part of our family, would you raise your hand and say, praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, Jeff, we're glad to have you. I tell you what, if you want to just sit on the front row after our service, uh, we want folks to come up and welcome you to our family, okay? Thank you. Just right there if you want to sit right there. All right, Gail, we have a special recognition for you. Uh, Gail, as of this week, this past week, has been our church secretary, our financial secretary, most of those years, for 40 years. She started in 1982 here at Scott Lake. <laughs> Certainly, I, I appreciate Gail. I appreciate her work. I appreciate her helping me. And as I told in the early service, making me look good. And it takes a lot to make me look good. But, uh, you know, 40 years is a long time. And, and let me just say a quick testament this is a testimony to you as a church family as well. You take good care of your employees and we stay a long time. So thank you for, thank you for your goodness to all of us. All right, Seth is our church moderator and the chairman of our personnel committee. And he's got something for you, 40 years. Absolutely. We appreciate you guys. We really do. Thank you for your faithfulness. Let's stand and give them a, a round of applause. I think that's appropriate. 40 years. Amen. Amen. Well, Brother Jeff, come up here and stand over here. We'll stand over here on the other side. And who's having our prayer? Alan, would you thank the Lord for the privilege we have of giving and making giving a part of our worship? Tonight, my sermon is entitled, When Sickness Strikes. What do you do when sickness strikes? Another great example from Hezekiah. Hope to see you back.
tonight. Even though Jesus paid it all, as we sang just a moment ago, this is our opportunity to pay back a portion of that with which he has blessed us so richly and abundantly. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us by calling us to a place of worship and service here at Scott Lake. We ask, Lord, that you would touch us now as we leave this service. Let us go in your spirit. Go that we might take the gospel message with us wherever we go and take it as we give. Take it as we bring back into your storehouse a portion of that with which you have poured out from heaven upon us. You have bountifully given to us. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See you tonight.